you turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. It is a privilege to be here with you today. And I want to thank the college for the opportunity just to be here. We have been in Hawaii for 42 years. We celebrated our 36th year of Ohana Baptist Church just a couple weeks ago. And so we're about the same age as Lancaster here. And uh, we're thankful for the, uh, the, the relationship we've had with them over the year. A number of our staff have graduated from here from West Coast Baptist College. We've had interns every summer. By the way, if you're interested in suffering for the Lord in Hawaii on an internship program, if you're a junior or senior, you can see me afterwards and I'll give you more information about that. And there's some great opportunities to serve out there in a multicultural environment without leaving the U.S. And so we uh, would invite you to join us if you'd be interested in doing that. But we're just thankful for what God has done there at the church. And, uh, and I want to tell you this, that when you serve the Lord, people often tease me about, well, you're in Hawaii, you're suffering for the Lord. But you know what? Wherever you're at, you're serving the Lord. And it's not what we've done, but it's what God has done. And when you're where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, you have the privilege of watching what God is going to do. Because if you're not there, God's going to still be God. And he's still going to do what he's doing. You're just going to miss out on it. So it's not about you. It's about God. But today I want to preach to you. I did a series of messages a while back called King Me. And what I did is I went to look at all the kings of Israel and find out why some of them were good kings and some of them were bad kings and what made the difference in their lives. And as I went through that series, there was one king that I really struggled with, and that is King Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, in beginning with verse number 5, the Bible says, In Gibeon, uh, the Lord, I'm sorry, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto the servant David, my father, great mercy, according as walk before thee in truth, in righteousness, in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept him from this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of the people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered, uh, nor can counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked for the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. To, in, in lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I've also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee in all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes, my judgment, and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then will I lengthen thy days. And Solomon swore, and behold, behold, it was a dream, awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a heart to all his servants. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we pray that you would just open the word of God to our hearts today and that we would be open to hear what you have to say to us so we can learn from the life of Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived, but made so many mistakes. And may we not make the same mistakes in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Solomon is a hard king to understand because he was the wisest man that ever lived. And yet in all of his wisdom, he was a mess. His life was a mess. 
And, and it's just hard to figure out how was he a great king and a wise king and did all the things that he did. You know, Solomon was the guy who wrote the books. Now, writing books, I've written a book called The Fruit of the Spirit, and I hope to someday write another book called Wisdom is Not Enough. But, uh, you know, when you write the books, that doesn't mean you know everything. There are people that wrote books like Joshua Harris. He wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And now years later, he also kissed his wife goodbye, divorced her and kissed God goodbye and left the, left the church and left God completely. Uh, there's another guy you've probably heard of, Ravi Zacharias, who uh, wrote many books, but ended up turning out to be a very wicked man. And uh, just because you write a book doesn't mean you know everything. In First King, Kings chapter uh, four and verse number 32, the Bible says, and he spake 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. This guy was very prolific. Solomon wrote a lot of songs, a lot of books, a lot of things in the word of God. But the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 12, and further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of flesh. Now, I know you agree with that last part of it, especially right now, but, uh, you know, I want to remind you that books are good. I love, I'm a reader. I love to read books, but don't be so enamored with the latest book that you forget that the truth is in the word of God. And, you know, there's some books that come out and they're popular for a while and then they go away and many authors have written great books and then turned out they didn't live great lives. And be careful of getting you too enamored with too many books. A lot of knowledge doesn't always equal wisdom. You see, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and in Proverbs chapter one and verses one through seven, a passage you're very familiar with. Proverbs chapter one and verses one through seven, the Bible says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all's vanities. What profit hath the man? I'm sorry, I'm reading from Ecclesiastes. I've got it the wrong place here. Let me try this again. Proverbs chapter one and verses one through seven. Proverbs chapter one. And verses one through seven, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand a proverb and the interpretation of the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And if you want to understand the book of Proverbs, you need to understand certain terms in the book of Proverbs. You understand that Solomon teaches a pyramid of learning. And the pyramid of learning begins with knowledge. Knowledge is facts and information learned by teaching or by experience. Now, the, the easier way to learn is by teaching. The better way to learn is by experience. You can be told that the stove is hot. And, uh, and, and you can learn it that way, or you can touch the stove and learn out, learn it's hot, and you learn the hard way. But either way, you've learned something. And, and so we wanna learn knowledge. That's what you're here for, is you're to learn knowledge and facts. You're to learn, here to learn information. Uh, knowledge is like knowing how a car works. How many of you here would say that you understand how a car engine works? Raise your hand. If you think you know how a car works, that's knowledge. Understand how the pistons go up and down and turn the crankshaft, which turns the, 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 the wheels and everything. And, and that's knowledge. That's basic facts and information. We see that in Proverbs chapter one, uh, verse number four. It says to give subtly simple to young men, knowledge and discretion. Uh, we see it again in verse number seven. In Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, it says, whom shall he teach knowledge? 
And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, then drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Knowledge is taught by repetition. That's why in your classes, they repeat the information over and over and over again, because that's how you learn knowledge. And that's the base of the pyramid. Now, if you understand a pyramid, the broader the base, the higher the pyramid goes. And so the more knowledge you have, that's the base that you can work at. And the less knowledge you have, the less distance you're going to go. The more knowledge, the higher you're going to go. And the second level on that pyramid of learning is wisdom. And wisdom is the skill to use knowledge. When Proverbs talks about this word wisdom, it's the idea of skill. And see, knowledge is knowing how a car works. Wisdom is knowing how to work on a car. That's a big difference, isn't it? You can know how a car works, but not how to work on the car. In fact, that word wisdom is used in, in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 14. It talks about a man that was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work, to work all works in brass. In other words, he was skilled in working with metal. And how do you learn wisdom? You learn wisdom by experience, getting your hands dirty. The wisdom comes when you get out there and use the knowledge that you have. See, you can learn a lot of knowledge in class, but what you learn better is when you go out into the community and use that knowledge. When you get involved in a ministry and use that knowledge, when you get into an internship program and use that knowledge, that becomes wisdom. The more you, you can have the knowledge, but you've got to get your hands dirty and you've got to learn the skill to use that knowledge. That's wisdom. Now, when I was in college, I was told that wisdom was kind of the greatest level, the highest level to get to, but it's not. It's only the second level of the pyramid. The third level of the pyramid is instruction. In Proverbs chapter one, verse number three, it talks about to receive the instruction of wisdom. In verse seven, it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you look at Proverbs chapter 24, and look at verses number 30 through 34, Proverbs chapter 24, and beginning with verse number 30, it says, I went to the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw, and considered it well, and looked upon it, received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall the po thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. See, the word instruction comes from the same word as the word, the idea of the word discipline. Instruction is the discipline to use the knowledge and the wisdom that I have. You see, I can understand, for example, I can know that I'm supposed to change the oil in my car every three to 5,000 miles. And I can have the wisdom, the skill to, to change the oil by myself. I can get in the car and take all the oil filter off and drain the oil out, and put in new oil. I can know how to do it, but that doesn't mean I ever get around to doing it. See, a lot of people know they're supposed to change the oil. They know how to change the oil, but it's been 15,000 miles and they still haven't changed their oil because they don't have instruction. They don't have discipline. They don't have that discipline to do what they know to do. You here in Bible college, you know the right thing to do and you've learned how to do it, but that doesn't mean you have the discipline to do it. And see, that's the third level that we can get to in this pyramid of learning. And then the highest level of learning is understanding. 
And we see that in Proverbs again. Look at Proverbs chapter four and look at verses four through seven. He said, he taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not and she shall preserve thee, love her and she shall keep thee. Now listen, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. He says, you need to get wisdom, but even more important than that is understanding. That's the highest level. Now what is understanding? Understanding is understanding how to do something because of the experience I've already had. For example, in a car, if I've learned how to change an alternator in a car, then I can also figure out how to change a starter in a car because they're both basically motors, different kinds of motors and they're different places in the car. But if I've learned how to change that alternator, I can probably understand how to change the starter as well. Because of what I've learned in one area, I'm able to take that experience and apply it to something I've never really learned about before and understand how to do that. So do you follow what I'm saying? And this is what Proverbs is teaching. This is what Solomon is trying to help us understand. Now Solomon, he had wisdom, but his problem was he didn't have a lot of instruction. He didn't have a lot of discipline. Look at 1 Kings chapter three. Again, 1 Kings chapter three. And look at verses 12 and through 14. First <clears throat> Kings chapter three, verse 12. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so there be none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any rise like unto thee. And I've also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be none among thee, the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then will I lengthen thy days. See, God said, listen, Solomon, you've got wisdom, but you've got to have understanding. You've got to have instruction. You've got to have the discipline. And that's where Solomon failed. He had the wisdom, but he didn't have the discipline to live it in his life. A lot of you know the right thing, but you're not disciplined to do the right thing. You know you should read your Bible every day, but you don't do that. You know you should pray every day, but you don't do that. You know you shouldn't look at certain things, but you, you don't control yourself. You don't have that discipline. And that's where Solomon failed. See, if you want to understand the book of Proverbs, you've got to understand this pyramid of learning, but you've also got to understand the difference between the wise and the foolish. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And look at verse number 20. Proverbs chapter one and verse number 20. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the sheep place of concourse in the openings of the gates in the, the city she uttereth her words saying, how long you simple ones will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scornings and fools hate knowledge. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out all my spirit unto you. I will make my, known my words unto you. Because I have called and refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not, all my counsel would none of my reproof. And so you need to understand that there's four different kinds of people in the book of Proverbs. I'd like to ask my students from my church to come up here and help me with illustrations. So come on, real quickly, you got to get up here. Uh, Blake and uh, Caleb and Abby and uh, Nathan, you guys come on up here real quick. And I'm going to have you help me out with an illustration. Because you understand that you fall on a scale. And there's four different levels on that scale. So I'm going to have them represent the four levels. So the first one on that scale, we're going to let Caleb represent that. And that is the wise person. Okay. This is wisdom right here. Okay. And then on the opposite end of the scale, 
and we're going to let his brother Blake represent that, is the scorner. Now, in between the scorner and the wise is the simple. Abby, I want you to come over here and we'll let Abby represent the simple person. And we're going to have Nathan here represents the fool. Okay. See, I chose wisely, didn't I here now? And uh, understand all of you in this room, you fall somewhere on this scale and it is a scale. Some of you are wise and wise people make wise decisions. All right. And then others are simple. And I'll explain simple people in just a moment. A simple person basically is a person that's open to the influence they're around. See, a simple person, if they're hanging around the wise, they'll be wise. That's why you do well when you're at college. But a simple person, if they're hanging around the fools, they'll act foolish. And that's why you don't do so well when you're away from college. See, it's who you're around that's going to influence you the most. It's like an open jar, and you're open to whatever influence is going to come in your life. And then, of course, the foolish person is the foolish makes foolish decisions. And then a scorner is a fool there's no hope for. They've gone too far. They're beyond help. The only reason you rebuke a scorner is that the simple might pay attention and learn from them. Okay? And you are somewhere on this scale. You might be a wise, simple person. Or you might be a simple wise person, or you might be a simple foolish person or a foolish simple person. And here's the problem. We tend to move back and forth on the scale. There's nobody in this room that is always wise. And sometimes we make very full, a wise person can make a very foolish decision. And every day you have to determine where am I going to be on this scale? Where am I going to stand in these, in the relation to these things? And and so we have to do that. Now, understand that the wisest person can make a very foolish decision. Dr. Getsch, if you know some very wise students that made very foolish decisions, they can do that. Uh, The Bible talks about, you can write these verses down, Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, and um, Proverbs 13 through 16. Those verses talk about the simple person stands and there's a door, and there's the wise person say, come in this door, and the foolish person saying, come this door. They have to make a decision. Am I going to go into door number one or door number two? But also in, in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16 and Ecclesiastes 10, 1, it says this. It says that when a wise person makes a foolish decision, they don't remember his wisdom. See, the wisest person can make a very foolish decision and that's what they're known for the rest of their life. And so you want to make sure you're in the right place on that scale. Thank you. You can go sit down. So we have to learn to be the wise person. Solomon had wisdom, but he didn't get that instruction level, that discipline level. And some of you, that's where you struggle with, is the discipline to do what you should do, what you know how to do, and you know that you should do. And you've got a choice every day, and what, where am I gonna be on that scale? Now, Solomon also wrote the Song of Solomon. In Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse one, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, is one of the greatest love stories ever written. Solomon found his one true love. In Proverbs 31.10, it says, who can find a versus woman for her price is far above rubies? How many of you have found your one true love? Raise your hand. You found your one true love. All right. And how many are willing to settle for second best if I can just find somebody? No, don't raise your hand on that. But you know, Solomon found his one true love. He talks about her in the Song of Solomon. Don't settle for the second best, folks. Don't settle for just, I want to get married. Make sure you find the right person for you. But Solomon, even though later in life he found his one true love, didn't do so well. 
Now, he wrote the Song of Solomon, the greatest love story ever written, but he certainly wasn't an expert on love. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. I knew a guy who was single who was going to write a book on marriage. Fellas, I've been married for 44 years, and I still haven't figured it out. I preach on marriage, and I've still got a lot to learn. And Solomon, he wrote the Song of Solomon, yet he struggled in this area. And and what he did is he learned a little too late. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 9. Live joyfully with with thy wife, whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of vanity, which he hath given thee unto the Son, and all the days of the vanity, for that is the portion of this life, and in labor which thou hast taken her son. You see, Solomon realized too late in life, I could have had love instead of just all these other things. And realize that you want to find that true love, the love that God wants you to have for life. But Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while thy evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Look at verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I struggled with, I don't know about you, Dr. Guest, but I struggled with Ecclesiastes. I never really understood it until I got to be older. And now I understand Solomon's writing at the end of his life saying, I look back now and I wish I could do it over again. I wish I could do it right the first time. You don't get a second chance to live your life the first time. And Ecclesiastes, you want to understand Ecclesiastes, understand Solomon say, listen, now in the days of thy youth, do what's right. Because when you get older, you can't go back and do it again. You see, you're not as smart as you think you are. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verses 16 through 18, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 16, <coughs> the Bible says, I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and I've gotten more wisdom than all that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart hath great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to no wisdom, no madness and folly. I perceive that this is all uh, is vexation of spirit, for much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now, again, you read that, it's hard to understand what he's saying, but what he's saying is this is basic. When you go through Ecclesiastes, you say, listen, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. I thought I was the wisest man that ever lived, but I made a lot of mistakes. And I can't go back and have my first years of marriage again. I can't go back and go back to college again. I can't go back and raise my children again. See, that's all too late. And I thought I had life all figured out and I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Sometimes youth is wasted on the youth. And if you're gonna listen to an old man like me, listen and understand that you've got one shot at this and don't blow it. Or you'll be like Solomon in Ecclesiastes saying, listen, I thought I had life all figured out. I thought I had it all under control. And I look back now and I made a mess of it. See, Solomon calls himself a preacher. In Ecclesiastes 1.1, the words of the preacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. But can I be honest with you? 
It's easier to preach it than it is to live it. And what you're here to learn is not only how to preach the word, but you're here to learn how to live the word. Solomon also wrote two of the Psalms. Psalms chapter 72 is basically a prayer that he would be a good king and do what was right. Solomon did great as a king, but he didn't do so great in his personal life. In 1 Kings 2.12, it says, Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. 1 Chronicles 20.19, He died at good old age, full of days, riches and honor, and Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Solomon was a great king, but he wasn't a great man. A great man of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He also wrote Psalms 127, verses 1 through 5. That's a passage about family, about marriage and family. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 12, 1, it came to pass when Rehoboam was established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all of Israel with him. The, one of the psalm, two Psalms Solomon wrote was on family and his family didn't turn out. See, Solomon's looking back in his life and he's saying, listen, I had wisdom. I had it all. And I regret it because I didn't live for the kingdom of God. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter two. Look at verse number eight. He gathered me also silver and gold, the peculiar treasure of kings and the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and delights of sons of men and as musical instruments and all of all sorts. So as great increased more than all that were before me. And it goes on through verse number 11. It talks about he had everything. He had, the Bible says he had 800,000 ounces of gold, 603 score and six talents of gold. That's over a billion dollars in today's money. How much more money would have made him happy? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, But with godly, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, <coughs> let us be there with content. Paul, Solomon had everything, but he wasn't content. I don't want to be rich, and I don't want to be poor. In Proverbs chapter 30, the Bible says he prayed, Lord, don't let me be rich, I forget you, and don't let me be poor, I forget you. And, and, and we need to learn to be satisfied with what we have. Solomon had fame and power. He was known throughout all the world. And here's his problem. I think here's one of Solomon's big problems. I think this is a problem for some of you in this room. He began to believe his own publicity. The Bible says in 1 Kings 8, 61, let your heart, therefore, <coughs> be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes, to keep his commandments as at this day. In chapter 11, verse 4, for it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wife's turned away his heart after God. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as was the heart of David, his father. You see, Solomon forgot that he was a sinner saved by grace. He forgot and he began to believe his own publicity. And some of you are doing some great things for God. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But don't get to the point you think it's me. It's not me. It's God. 
It's just you being the place that God wants you to be to serve the Lord. Look at first Kings chapter 11 and look at verse number nine. First Kings chapter 11 and verse number nine. The Bible says, and the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from God, the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. Twice the Lord appeared to him and yet his heart was turned from the Lord. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Young people, Solomon looked back in his life and he realized that pride was a problem he struggled with, thinking that it was about him and not about God. His other problem was women. He struggled like his dad with women. And young people, if you can't get a, a handle on this area in your life, this is a sin that you'll struggle with all your life. Sometimes college students think when I get out of college and I get married, it's not going to be a problem anymore. But it wasn't for Solomon. <coughs> Solomon struggled with many things in his life. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Look at Deuteronomy, Deut Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 and 17. Says, but he shall multi not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt and to the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. <coughs> neither shall you multiply wives to himself that his heart turned not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Solomon did everything that God said the king was not to do. <coughs> Some of you in this room Think, well, I'm different. It won't happen to me. I can handle it. I know what I'm doing. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. And that's the path to destruction. When you think that you can handle it, you're ready for failure. Nine times in Proverbs, <coughs> he warns the young man about strange women. And that was one of his biggest problems. He should have listened to his own advice. 17 times in Proverbs, he advises counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but, he the, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. He should have listened to his own advice. It was more about his kingdom than about God's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you want to understand Solomon, you've got to understand Ecclesiastes. Because in Ecclesiastes, Solomon finally comes to the point in his life where he says, I look back and I had it all. I thought I had everything under control and I didn't. But now it's too late. And what I'm here today to warn you is this. Don't wait until it's too late. Start with knowledge. You are here to learn. And the broader the base, the higher the pyramid. But knowledge alone is not enough. You've got to get your hands dirty. Get out there and get that experience. Get soul winning. Get out in ministry. Get involved using the knowledge that you're learning. But you've got to develop the discipline, the instruction to do what you know you're supposed to do. If you can't do it here, don't think you're going to do it out there. 
and that will bring understanding. Every day you wake up, decide where you're going to be on that scale. Am I going to be wise today in my decisions? Or am I going to be simple and let the crowd that I'm with influence me which direction I'm going to go? Or am I going to be a fool? But you know what, young people? Even the wisest young person in this room can make a very foolish decision that will destroy his life. I want to close by looking at 1 Kings. We'll look at three passages. We'll close 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 3. <coughs> 1 Kings 3.3. 3. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. He loved God, but there was one thing he wasn't willing to give up. The high places. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8 and look at verse number 60 and 61. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there's none else. Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes, to keep his commandments this all his day. Some of you in this room, there's one thing that's keeping your heart from being perfect. There's one thing that you're not willing to let go of. There's a high place in your life that you're holding on to and burning incense in. And until you give that over to the Lord, you're going to end up being like Solomon. And look at chapter 11 and look at verse number four. Chapter 11 and verse number four. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, his wife's turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Dr. Getch and the other staff here at West Coast Baptist College can tell you about young people that were here at the college that were doing great things and had great potential. But today, they're not even serving the Lord. They've turned from God. And the reason is, is because there was something in their life they weren't willing to let go of. They weren't willing to give over to the Lord. And they held on to that. And one day you're going to get to be our age and you're going to look back and you're going to regret because you can't go back and do for the first time, second time, what you should have done the first time. So I want to challenge you. Do it right the first time.